This is Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, we are so glad that you are here for this thing we call a podcast. Should be an informative podcast, a very rare podcast interview coming up very soon with president of Impact Wrestling, Ed Nordholm. And uh, as they enter Bound for Glory this coming Sunday night on pay-per-view, the fight app, and all the other apps where you could buy pay-per-views now, it's a totally different world than the world I came from. Uh, where you had to order it through your cable channel. But I, I do think it's still av- available through the cable channel, for sure. They're from New York City, Bound for Glory, and um, I was at the ring announcer for Bound for Glory 2017. It's been a long year uh, for Impact Wrestling. Looking forward to talking to the guy in charge and uh, hearing about the experience of... Uh, I wasn't aware of the fact that the guy is a lawyer by trade until I started doing research for this interview. So, uh, attorney who ends up running a wrestling company and, and all the exciting details that go with that. So, we will speak to Ed, and, and we're happy that he was able to give us a little bit of time uh, as we get close to Bound for Glory. I'm sure that he's very busy as they're doing uh, some TV tapings afterwards, I believe, on Monday and Tuesday in the Melrose Ballroom. Now, Bound for Glory is sold out, but the tapings, I believe, at the Melrose Ballroom the next two nights are not. So, if you want to check out what Impact Wrestling is doing, and if you're in the Northeastern area, be sure to, to check that out. They're doing some pretty good stuff. Um, there's a piece of my heart that will always be loyal to TNA slash Impact Wrestling for a lot of reasons, and so I know I know there's not that many guys left that are that are loyal, uh, but they're they're building. I, I believe they're building uh, the audience back up. I believe they've uh, as one Twitter user who sent me some questions and I appreciate the questions this week and I will use many said now that they've taken the stink off of what used to be TNA and 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 I think they've done that and uh, I wish them all the best check out Bound for Glory and we're going to ask Mr. Nordholm I don't know what kind of answer I'm going to get uh, about the rumors of Chris Jericho being at Bound for Glory this coming Sunday just a quick question were you ready for bald Shawn Michaels? Look, I have a big bald spot in the back of my head. I've never been ready for it from the day I started having it to the day till the, till the day this podcast drops and beyond. It kind of showed up out of nowhere. The the uh, bald Shawn Michaels and, and there was uh, there was a lot less like talk about it than I than I would have thought. Uh, there was very little chatter about bald Shawn Michaels. So just wanted to throw that out there. I just don't know if the world was ready for that. Uh, WWE getting ready for some big international events that they make a lot of money from. So they bring a lot of guys back or attempt to uh, out of retirement or back from uh, Hollywood or whatever the case may be and. Uh, uh, so we wish them luck in Survivor Series is coming up as well as we get close again, believe it or not, to another road to WrestleMania, starting with the Royal Rumble in January. How fast time goes 
And want to throw a big thank you to Matt Stryker for being our guest last week. Big shout out to Matt. Very intelligent guy. I listened to the interview back and I really, really enjoyed it. And judging from what he wrote on social media, he enjoyed it just as much. So thank you to him. And next week, we planned in advance, folks. Next week, as we count down to the 70th anniversary of the NWA uh, wrestling show on the Fight app, from Nashville, Tennessee, we are going to speak to the challenger, former champion, Nick Aldis, formerly Brutus Magnus of said TNA wrestling, but now a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion working for Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana and their promotion. So we are going to talk to Nick Aldis. If you have any questions for Nick, please uh, hit me up on Twitter at David Penzer at Penzer Ringside. Always happy to chat on Twitter. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very happy to have uh, 30 or 40 minutes of this next person's time. He is the president of Impact Wrestling, uh, and look forward to talking to him about his short, but uh, I think uh, exhaustive journey that uh, has gotten us to Bound for Glory 2018. Welcome, Ed Nordholm. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, we are honored to have a rare podcast appearance by the Executive Vice President of of Anthem Sports and Entertainment and the President of Impact Wrestling. He was my boss for a cup of coffee and a good guy, in my opinion, and I want to welcome him to the show. We are promoting, promoting Bound for Glory Sunday, October 14th, this Sunday, at the Melrose Ballroom, I believe that is sold out, but you could uh, be a part of it on pay-per-view. Or I especially want to give a shout-out to the Fight app, the good people there. I know it's available uh, there as well. So, Ed Nordholm, welcome to City Ringside. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. Glad to talk to you again. Did I get all that right? Uh, got all the important part. Bound for Glory, October 14th. Get it on the Fight app. Yes. It says it says Perfect. on uh, it says on Wikipedia the executive vice president of Anthem Sports and Entertainment. You can't you can't trust that. So uh, I wasn't sure. Uh, but but as 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 Ron Burgundy would say, no matter what the title is, you're kind of a big deal. Anyway, I want to talk to you about Impact Wrestling and the journey that you've been on with um, Anthem the last couple of years. I wanted just to start out. I didn't realize until I started doing my research for this interview, and I don't know if a lot of other people realize that by by trade that you are an attorney. Give uh, the fans a little bit of background of uh, of what kind of law that you did and how that law practice got you involved in Anthem Sports and Entertainment. Oh, you mean the dark cave in my life before I saw the light of the, <laughs> of the dressing distance? Exactly. No, I would I would probably say the, the other way around, but uh, it's your story. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, yeah, I spent most of my professional life as a as a as an attorney, either as a practicing private practice attorney with a, you know, one of the premier law, law firms in Toronto, kind of an M&A lawyer sort of drifted towards uh, distressed companies in the, in the way, along the way, and then uh, moved to one of our clients uh, who had a, uh, who had a, was establishing at the time a major investment vehicle to fund distressed companies and the acquisition of the, uh, of uh, businesses in distress, and I left and joined them and worked with them for a couple of years to run that business um, until it got um, got to be a uh, time to do something uh, more personal. So I left that at probably 2008, 9, 10, thereabouts, and got involved with the Fight Network at the time through some friends of mine and started working with that business and 
from there, uh, we, <coughs> we eventually uh, then joined uh, in, in the fight network they bought in. We started to build Anthem. And um, when it came time to get involved with uh, with the financial problems that that TNA was experiencing in 2016, my um, my legacy skill set was sort of identified as being what was required to help figure out what, what we would do with it. Would do there. So I picked the short straw to uh, <laughs> to go in and see what could be done. You said I don't, you, uh, you wanted to do something different. Was it uh, the sports business that you were, that were interested? Was it uh, the broadcast business that interested you? A little bit of both. No, it was more just uh, more smaller businesses that I was interested in. I was, you know, I was at, you know, on, on Bay Street. It's a these are big balance sheet workouts with very big companies like Stelco and the forest industry in the West Coast, and you know, by by and large, um, whole businesses were being affected by a bunch of guys in suits in a boardroom making decisions of, that, um, you know, it was interesting and high stakes, but by the same token had very little to do with the day-to-day lives of the people affected by those decisions and you know, got to a point where I would, thought I would try being involved more hands-on, more directly with the businesses themselves. So before we get involved in, in the purchasing of TNA, which you made reference to, how did Anthem get involved with, with TNA Wrestling? What was the reason? How did that come about and working with Dixie and, and, and that company? Well, Fight Network has been a broadcast partner for uh, for Impact Wrestling going back to when it first launched in 2007-2008. Um, the show was one of the better performing shows, better rated shows for Fight Network in Canada. So it's always we've always had a good relationship with Impact Wrestling from from a Fight Network perspective. It was good content for us, and we were starting to uh, expand Fight Network into other countries. Um, overseas and in into the U.S. and, and elsewhere, that um, as we found new territories, we were looking to have a better relationship with the sort of tentpole content in our in our wheel, um, so better assure ourselves that we could secure rights and clear rights for that content if we were launched in the United Kingdom, for example. So that we strategically made a decision to get somewhat closer to at least some of our content providers. And uh, and that's how we got started on the discussion with TNA at the time as to you know whether there was a more strategic role we could we, we could play rather than a mere licensee of their content in Canada, and that led to a small investment on the on uh, securing sort of help working with them to monetize their library on, you know digitally that got a small ownership stake in the company and, um, and that we expected to kind of build from uh, and that was at the start of 2016 and. As you know, 2016 sort of evolved in weird and wonderful ways for Impact Wrestling. And by the summertime, uh, there was sort of a clear need for uh, different leadership in the company and somebody to kind of smooth the way between competing sources of capital. And that's where I got involved. So knowing the financial situation, because it wasn't a secret from even the fans at that point, what was the thought process behind the purchase of TNA? A lot of people have thought that maybe uh, it was the library uh, that you guys wanted and buying the company just came along with that. Any truth to that? Uh, no, I mean, I think the library provided sort of a, uh, an underpinning that you knew there was something that was worthwhile in the company come, no matter what might happen. Um, you know, it is a it's a legacy library. From my perspective, um, there was a company with 15 years of established production, continuous exposure to the market that was already distributed globally. Um, and if you think of it just from a brand perspective and your opportunity to acquire and build brands, 
um, sort of coming out of the gate with uh, a vehicle that had that kind of global pre- presentation already seemed like a, an interesting proposition for us. Um, so, you know, we sort of made our, we made our bet. We had sort of a, it was a view as to how quickly we could turn around the operating costs and structure of the business and, and get it running more, more cost effectively to take advantage of that global distribution. But, um, and indeed it took longer than expected as all these things do, but, but, uh, you know, we're really, you know, 2017 was a really rough year for us and a lot of learning for on our part. Um, but, uh, you know, 2018 has been, you know, slowly, but, sh- you know, a steady progression of, uh, small, but, you know, cumulatively good wins. And, uh, we now see that, we can see that light. I know from from working there for a little bit and listening to you address the the talent that you you're really good at and at, at better than most and I'm not kissing your your rear just because you're a guest here but I tell you this if we're sitting in a bar having a drink you're really good at, at looking at the small steps as opposed to giant leaps a lot of people like to look at giant leaps and uh and you're really good at looking at the, the small steps and and how you get to those giant leaps that said other than not to engage with a wrestler's wife on twitter what's the biggest thing you learned pretty much immediately after purchasing tna and started to run the wrestling business that producing content is very different than just broadcasting. It is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, it was quite, it was, uh, an eye opener as just to how complicated, um, the process is of getting our product done. The, the number of, the number of moving pieces, the complexity of the moving pieces, the, the, uh, personalities involved, uh, the management of those personalities to sort of come to a, to a successful outcome. Um, you know, it's been, there's been a lot about the industry that, uh, you know, we were perhaps naive in thinking it would be as straightforward as we thought it might be. I think we, you know, some of the guys in our, in our group have obviously produced television before, but we had no experience with producing this kind of television with this kind of, uh, physicality required of the, of the performers and, uh, all that, the implications of that for what you can accomplish in one sitting of one set of tapings and the like. So, it's just, just been all kinds of lessons. I don't know where to start, but uh, you know, we were pretty we were pretty green when we started, and and uh, I think with the you know, the group of guys that joined us at the uh, beginning of 2018, uh, the supplement, you know, the team that stayed, and you know, we're we're you know, it's been very good learning, and we're you know running in all cylinders now. What would the experienced Ed Nordholm after two years tell the green? You mentioned green Ed Nordholm to avoid doing. When you got in the wrestling business two years ago, now that you've had the time to learn the business a little bit, hmm. uh, well, I, it's hard hard to call. Which is the one thing to to watch out for? The, it, it is. Uh, I mean, the one I suppose the biggest thing to watch out for is is to you know, send somebody as green as I was to take tackle something as complicated as it as it was. I mean, fortunately. You know, fortunately, we did have some some guys on the ground that uh, we could still rely on uh, to, to sort of at least make sure you know we got out of the gate and as as producing the content. But but um, I think the uh, you know the first and foremost thing, I, if we were doing this again, I would like to have done would would have a better handle on exactly who was going to uh, who was going to um, have the who, who had the skill set. And depth of knowledge and depth of relationships to ensure that we could affect change on a timely basis. 
Fair enough. Was there a certain point that you realized that, like, you made a phone call and said, you know, guys, this is going to be harder than we bargained for? Or was it just accumulation of, of all the different, like you said, uh, difficulties in producing a show like uh, like you have? Um, yeah, I, mean, I, w- I would say when we got into August and September of 2017, um, and it wasn't, uh, you know, I think that was probably coming into our darkest period of that and, and had to make some hard decisions about whether we could, whether we could and should carry on. So, you know, as we come up on, on Bound for Glory 2018, you know, I, I look at Bound for Glory 2017 as sort of the watershed of this is, uh, we, we got this one done, um, but we better have a better plan for 2018 or we're not going to make it. And uh, fortunately, um, you know, through that fall, as uh, as we always, you know, got into conversations with Scott Demore, and he brought in the into the conversation Don Callis, and and over that September, October, November period, started to fashion a business plan that we all believed. Uh, one, we believed in each other, and and two, we believed that together we could get it done. We got the confidence to sort of move forward past the last bound for glory and 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 chart our, our path for 2018, which we've been executing. You're you're great at the segues because I was going to get into Scott and Don before before uh, that said. Uh, what was the chances that what, it, when you got to that point in 2017 around Bound for Glory and you said you had to reassess? What, what were the, was there ever a chance that the company was going to go away uh, from a live wrestling standpoint, or were you always going to charge on and see if you could make it work? No, I mean there's always a chance, right? If you're if you're banging your head against the wall and you're not making progress at some point, um, you do have to look at what it's, what, you know, what it's taking out of the organization to, uh, to continue down that path. And, you know, sometimes you have to admit you're perhaps bit off more than you can chew. Um, you know, I think that was sort of the, that was the position we found ourselves at in the fall last year. And, and, uh, but for, but for, you know, working with Don and Scott to develop a business plan that we could all look at, and, and now with the knowledge of what, you know, had transpired in the first nine months of the year, um, how be able to make an informed judgment as to whether that business plan was achievable. Um, I suspect we probably would have opted to find some way to exit the situation other than continuing just to throw good money after bad. But, you know, we, we, we did get a business plan that we were confident in. We have executed on it. We continue to ex- execute on it. And, and uh, we're pretty excited by how 2018 has gone for us. Scott Damore, who I know very well, uh, more years than my kids have been alive, I think. What does he's been with you since almost the beginning by your side in one way or the other? What does Scott bring uh, to Impact Wrestling? What's his strongest asset? He's a cheap mother. <laughs> oh, I did not expect that answer. You were doing so well with the segues. He's welcome. He like he knows. He knows the business. He understands the production. He's prepared to work real hard and to grind really hard and to work with guys to persuade them that the way they did it in the past might have worked in that, in that previous environment, but get buy-in from people that, you know, the previous environment is no, is no longer here. And, and it's in all of our interests to sort of make a new environment work. And he's been great at it. Um, he's been, he's brought people on board. And he's got people sort of buying into um, the way that we have to look at our business if we want to, if we all want it to be there for us going forward. He's a great guy. And as much as I know Scott, I don't know Don. So how did bringing in Don Callis to work with Scott sort of change the equations? Yeah, I mean, kind of in an intangible way. And I, I, 
because I didn't know Don at all. Obviously, I didn't know much about anybody in the wrestling industry. He came with, you know, Scott who's brought Don to the table with. Um, he clearly, uh, you know, on the creative side, John has been a breath of fresh air. He clearly has views on, on how the product should be, uh, should be how the show should be presented and developed, and how the talent should be developed, and views on our talent. And you know, he's got, uh, you know, he does have a solid, a solid business background. He left the industry for years and sort of got himself into a, in a business role, senior business role with the government of Manitoba for many years. So. You know, he's, he's not a creative guy who's living in a vacuum, uh, devoid of any sensibility about what the, uh, what the business parameters and necessities need to be. So, you know, he's, uh, I didn't know what to expect of Don in the equation. Um, but, you know, he's clearly between both relationships and connection and, and then his, you know, creative vision on the company is, he's been a very solid, uh, solid member of our team. How big a role did Chris Jericho have in bringing Don and Scott, uh, together? Uh, I don't know that he had much of a role in bringing them together. I think Don and Scott have been close, fast friends for many, many years. I don't know whether that how that originally formed about. You know, Chris certainly, uh, Chris certainly spoke to me and uh, and Len sort of at some point in that fall while we were trying to figure out whether to go forward and and, and whether we had, could have confidence in that business plan. Chris did weigh in and very favorably on both Scott and Don as to. Um, what he thought they would bring to the table for us, both in terms of fresh vision and much needed fresh vision for the company and, and, um, and, uh, and business acumen in how that should be um, delivered. There became a time where you started allowing talent to quote unquote, walk with their gimmicks. Uh, so uh, not to own the gimmicks, but let them take them other places if and when they decided to and their contractual obligations with Impact Wrestling were over. I believe my opinion from 25 years around the wrestling business is that that was uh, huge in changing the game. Uh, because, and, I, and I'll tell you why, because uh, it, gave, it you know, you, you understood that you're in a spot of rebuilding and it gave guys and gals a chance to develop a gimmick or a reputation on your television shows. And if the time came to be able to take that and move elsewhere, who came up with that? And do, are, are, do you think it was successful in hindsight? Um, I think I was the architect of the idea and people's eyebrows certainly arched as I started pitching <laughs> the idea. Um, but, uh, but I do think it's been successful. I do think our, uh, both potential and current talent all appreciate the uh, spirit in which it's offered. Um, because I do, I do think it is uh, only one aspect of a cornerstone of our theory is that we are working with our talent as much as reasonably possible to, um, jointly enhance our product and, and, uh, you know, our, 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 our opportunities together. So, you know, it became, I understand in a world where, uh, TNA or wrestling promotion might be, uh, putting out, you know, a show every week, um, and be on the road and doing 120 to 150 paydays a year, um, with their talent, then it may make sense that it's, all in and all, all encompassing and they're not expecting their talent to work elsewhere because we need a hundred percent of your time just to meet our own obligations in a world where we exist today, where we were nowhere near providing enough, uh, enough opportunity for the, for people to work only for us. It only makes sense to me that, um, that in, in, in uh, recognizing that they're working elsewhere, it's in my interest that if they're working elsewhere, they're at least, um, at least working under the, 
character and, uh, for lack of a better word, gimmick that we are promoting on our show. Yeah, when I heard that you guys were doing that, and, and, and the timing was perfect. You know, two years before, or maybe two years from now, that may not be a good strategy. But with the situation that you were in, trying to rebuild, I, I, I really th- thought that that was a game changer as, as far as attracting talent. Uh, if I was a young talent, I'd be attracted to that as well. Uh, do you uh, have any role in uh, the booking or the planning? Uh, and if not, do you have any desire to ever go there? Uh, well, I have a role in that uh, I, peri- I am periodically allowed to enter the, uh, the creative <laughs> camp in Kibbit and uh, by and large frustrate Don and Scott as people wonder whether they have to take my ideas or not. But um, uh, no, I have, uh, I have no say on, uh, on the uh, creative of where it goes. I guess I have a say. I choose not to execute it. Exercise any authority I have. (laughs) Of course you have a say. I just didn't know if you had a role. A lot of people have uh, been negative towards the former owner of the company uh, for making themselves a television character. Any thought about ever being an on-air character? Or is that something that you can never see happening? I don't see any reason for people to be subjected to me on TV. (laughs) I think you've you've kept your uh, head about you, and that's a good thing. So going into Bound for Glory, what is the state of Impact Wrestling? Uh, I know that it it all used to be based on television ratings and television income and uh, house shows, and and it's a totally different world now with all the different platforms that you're involved with, the Global Wrestling Network and and Twitch and all that. What does the future look like And uh, as far as television and, and other forms and live events? moving forward you know it's a it's a rebuilding year um you know i'm i'm really excited by what we've been doing this year i'm excited to be getting out of orlando and and uh this experiment with doing these shorter tapings and in, in live venues with 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 ticket paying audiences you know it's a it's a painful slow process but we are out and back and back out in the uh, in the marketplace live with people and um you know, hopefully that that's a process that will continue. We'll grow and develop. We'll find more and more opportunities and to uh, to be doing to be presenting our show in a non-classic studio environment. Um, I think that's where you know the the fans get the biggest connection, and therefore we get the uh, you know the biggest presentation, the biggest development uh, of of our, of our brand. Um, <clears throat> but where we're at, it's a it's a good year. Um, I think by all, when I look at my um, when I look at my personal personal Twitter feed this year versus best time last year, it's something my mother can read now. Um, so it's uh, by and large, I think you know the negativity associated with the company that we endured last year, by and large, um, if not changed uh, to full positivity, at least as has uh, changed to people getting uh, recognizing we're doing something different, we're building, and uh, and are, are achieving some some interesting um, some interesting shows for people to watch and bring, deliver what the fans want. So I think we'll just continue to grow from that. Hopefully, it just uh, continues to build. We'll look to uh, to improve our product at every opportunity. And but you, as I mentioned earlier, this is a quarter by quarter, month by month uh, process. Not not one fell swoop. To, uh, you know. Uh, it's all changed uh, that. So sticking with that theory, what are your short-term goals for to, to move the company forward? In the in the nearest of short term, it's been clearly we need to, you know, as the distribution platforms of the world change and the way in which our 
our audience uh, uh, consumes the, our content, we need to be sure that we are receptive and responsive to that. And, you know, sort of developing out better, uh, more effective Twitch platform. And, you know, we see when you talk about where we're being, we've seen massive growth on the digital side, notwithstanding the modest, you know, sort of status quo on the TV rating side. But, you know, we've nearly four times the size of YouTube views on our product monthly uh, now versus 18 months ago. Um, so <clears throat> I think that sort of whole digital presence and how we uh, present our show and, and engage our audience digitally is probably the, sh- the nearest term focus on us. We continue to work, you know, obviously work to improve our TV ratings, but, you know, it's, uh, and TV is not going away by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, I think that we, we will look to do more on the digital side. Um, put on good shows and get back in the UK market, uh, get back to uh, develop on what we started in Mexico uh, to just kind of get out there. Um, these next two questions, I'm not sure how much you could answer them, but uh, they're, they're very big in the news these days. So I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to at least respond. Is there anything you could say with the rumored uh, meeting that you had with WWE recently? So I don't think there's anything to say other than what's already in out there. We had a meeting. They wanted to talk about content, uh, as we, you know, as we have been uh, working more with them than I think, as I understand, previous incarnations of management in the past about ways in which um, they can access our library for their content development. And you know, it was time to sort of explore whether there are other other things that we can do that would be better. But you know, just ordinary course conversation. Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, having the owning the television library with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Bobby Roode and and those players just got uh just got a lot more important based on those uh wrestlers and others success in WWE. So I can imagine that they would have interest in that and I can imagine that that would be something that would benefit both of you. Uh lots of rumors about Chris Jericho debuting at uh Bound for Glory uh on Sunday on pay-per-view or fight app, anything you could say about that? Are you trying to get me shot? <laughs> could you, could you shoot it down or, or is if there a shot? Were, if, if it were true, if it were true, would I be sort of like even remotely possible that I could go home and not get killed? But in any event, no, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that is not in the cards. How much do you think at this point, Chris Jericho would change the game for impact wrestling, if at all? I think Chris Jericho changes the game for anybody. Absolutely. So what is your biggest success as the president of Impact Wrestling? Uh, persuading Don and uh, Scott to join us and uh, and uh, just continuing to build the product. I think they, uh, we've got a good solid. We've been had perseverance and, um, you know, we've now, you know, righted. We've finally got the um, the actual system and the mindset of the company on a common view as to what's required for us to be able to be here year after year and, and grow slowly. And on a bigger picture, uh, what what is the future of Anthem Sports and Entertainment? I, I see that you guys, I'm a big fantasy football guy, and I see you guys uh, uh, own some fantasy uh, pro, uh, uh, companies. Um, is, is that, are you guys looking to do that more in the future? As I'm just asking as a fan of fantasy uh, sports. Uh, sure. I mean, we've got the fantasy assets. We've got, you know, interest in hunting and fishing channels. We've got the fight network, um, all those things. We just hope to build and grow and 
and uh, move as they go. We had uh, you know, the fantasy sports world is uh, an interesting environment these days, and we'll see what uh, what's the best spot for us in that. Well, if you ever need a fantasy football guru, you know who to call. There we go. <laughs> so my final question, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate your time and honesty. My final question is, knowing everything that happened, the good and the bad and the ugly, if you could put yourself back in 2016, would you do it all again? Oh, of course. No regrets. Uh, I mean, it's been a, it's been an exciting, you know, uh, roller coaster ride from from uh, very deep lows <laughs> at times. But the uh, but you know, I am uh, I am very grateful to for my involvement with Impact Wrestling with the roster. I think we've got an awesome group of people that are that are doing amazing things day in and day out to inspire me, and uh, and uh, I'm happy to be involved with the program. Ed, I really thank you for your time. I know it is valuable. Uh, I'm a big fan, and uh, you know that, I think, between being a big fan and friend of Scott's, and, you know, there's a little bit of my heart there, a lot of my heart in uh, in that company. So uh, I wish you the best. I watch, and, and, I, and I, uh, I have uh, noticed the improvement in the product and uh, the presentation, and I wish you guys all the best. And maybe in a couple years you can come back uh, two years or next year before Bound for Glory and give us another update. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Bound for Glory, Sunday, this Sunday, October 14th, on pay-per-view or the Fight App. And uh, you can see Impact Wrestling on many different platforms, Twitch and uh, Global Wrestling Network and so much more. Is there one place that you would suggest that people go, uh, Ed, if they um, might want to, if they've checked out Impact, but they might want to check it out again? Is there one place that, that they could go that encompasses all your different platforms? Well, the best place to see anything you want about Impact and, and, and our legacy is obviously the globalwrestlingnetwork.com where you can pick up the app and see the entire library. And, you know, it's, uh, lots, lot, and lots of other wrestling content there, too. Awesome. I suggest people do that. It, tons of great content. And again, best of luck to you. Thank you for your time, Ed. Thank you, sir. Take care, man. So, I want to thank Ed and uh, couldn't get him to bite. Well, I guess he said Chris Jericho wasn't coming, but I, even if he is coming, I wouldn't, ex- knowing Chris the way I do, he'd be killed. Uh, Ed would be, as he said, if he get let the cat out of the bag. Uh, Chris likes surprises, and so it would be interesting to see what happens in that vein. But he was very honest about a lot of things, about the fact that there was a chance last year that Impact Wrestling would have shut down and honest about their WWE meeting and the steps that uh, he's taken to get the company on the right track. And I, I believe he does. And uh, I appreciate the chance to be able to talk to him. Maybe we can make it, as we said at the end, maybe we could make it a once a year event uh, podcast before Bound for Glory. We could get a state of Impact Wrestling for you guys from Ed Nordholm. So I thank him for his time. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Bound for Glory from the Melrose Ballroom Sunday, this Sunday, October 14th, wherever pay-per-views and those shows are available. Like I said earlier, it's a whole nother world. I went to the first WrestleMania at a arena and sat there and watched it on big screen television. Boy, have times changed uh, from that for sure. And uh, now all sorts of platforms you can watch it on. Uh, I have done some work with Fight App, and uh, there's great people there. So if you're trying to pick a platform and you're not sure which one, 
Uh, let me recommend Fight App. Uh, I get nothing for saying that. They uh, have a great product, and you won't be disappointed. So best of luck to Impact Wrestling on Sunday for Bound for Glory, and we'll follow that up in the weeks and months to come, and uh, hoping for good things and, and some steps to build for that company so that they could be around because the more places that are around, believe it or not, uh, the better it is for this business, the better it is for everybody, including myself, and the better it is for the fans. So best of luck to Scott and Don and Ed this coming Sunday and beyond. As I said, next week on City Ringside, we're going to have Nick Aldis, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. We're going to talk about his career his desire to regain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship from Cody uh, at the 70th anniversary show for the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, as, as a big uh, wrestling fan growing up uh, in the 70s and 80s, as you know by listening to the interviews I've had with Terry and Dory Funk and, and so many of uh, the legends, J.J. Dillon in this business, Kevin Sullivan, uh, and the list goes on and on. I'm a big fan of the National Wrestling Alliance. That is my childhood. Your childhood might be NXT or or uh, WWE or New Japan Pro Wrestling. My ch- childhood is the National Wrestling Alliance. So looking forward to that. We'll talk to Nick Aldis. If you have any questions that you'd like me to ask Nick, hit me up on Twitter at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside. Thank you for those who sent in questions for Ed. I used a whole bunch of them. Some of them I already had uh, written down, but there were a few that... I hadn't thought of, so I appreciate the input, and we're always open for any kind of input on this show. So until next week, with Nick Aldis, this is David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter, at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. I used to say I hate technology, okay, and I hate electronics, and I think I still do, although I find myself in the midst of electronics all the time. I mean, I'm in a podcast room right now with computers and microphones. I'm on my phone all day. I'm on my computer all day. I'm a DJ. So there's really no way of getting around it. Uh, My phone was broken at the beginning of this week. And once again, every time it happens, it makes you realize how much you are a slave to electronics. Boy, I tell you, I couldn't get into my phone and for four days, I was butt booty naked out there. I I could there's I couldn't do anything. I woke up Sunday without the ability to get into my phone, and went and bought another phone Saturday Sunday afternoon, and still couldn't get into the old phone. So I couldn't transfer the numbers and I couldn't transfer my information. Therefore, I was I I couldn't do anything. All my notes, all my passwords, uh, my Bank of America is on there, uh, my fantasy football is on there. I, what I'm talking about, I couldn't do anything. And it's just a funny time where we believe that electronics is making us smarter, although I believe it's making us dumber. Because way back when, you used to have to remember numbers and remember, you know, uh, appearances and remember your schedule. Not anymore. Everything's in your phone. Um 
it's a tough situation, man, because I, I, I love my phone and I hate my phone all at the same time. I just I do know this. I can't live without it. There ain't no way you can live without it. And uh, when it's when it's out of my hand for five minutes and uh, I don't know where it is, I start to get antsy. I think everybody does as well. You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio and RadioInfluence.com.